0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with Eileen Moskowitz-Palma, who is an author. She's a former elementary school teacher and she writes middle grade novels and is actually in the middle of writing her first young adult series. Uh, Her book, The Popularity Pact and Camp Click were published in 2020. And this is a middle grade book series. Well, it's a dual series all about friendship. And in this episode, Eileen and I talk about friendship and our kids and what it looks like when friends leave them or they leave their friends and they grow out of friendships. We also talk about what it's like when you're the parents. And you know, like if your kids get into it with another kid, if your relationship is affected with the relationship of their parent, it gets complicated. It's stuff we all deal with. And so we talk about that in this episode. Eileen also teaches writing classes, both virtually and in person. So she partners with the Girl Scouts and they have a storytelling badge. And she works with troops from all over the country, teaching writing and storytelling to these kids. I'm going to link to all of her writing programs she does as well as her books in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. I highly recommend checking it out. You can also check out her website, eileenmoskowitzpalma.com. This was such a fun, casual conversation. I hope you love it as much as I did. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review so potential new listeners can check us out, see what you're saying about it, and share it with your friends on social media. That is a huge help in potential new listeners finding us. This episode of the podcast is supported by Lagoon. One of the most important things you can do for your training, running, life in general is get good sleep. I have looked for a really good pillow for a very long time and I'm so happy to have landed on Lagoon. This has helped me improve my sleep immensely and it can do the same for you. Waking up has never felt more refreshing. So you can go take their two-minute sleep quiz to find your match. I'm the fox. That is the pillow that I matched up for, and I love it so much. It is so comfortable. Go to lagoonsleepcom slash lindsey. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. And use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first purchase. I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have Eileen Moskowitz-Palma on the show. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Lindsay. Okay. The people on audio can't see, but you got to tell us about the top you're wearing because it's too cute. Oh, thank you. It's from
1: J. Crew. It's actually a dress. So oh, nice. there's a lot more to it. So Oh, um, nice. You got to hit up J-Crew Factory has the best sales. Anytime I have a bookish event, almost always it's either something from Target or from like J-Crew Factory. So those are my two go-to places. <laughs> so I have Target earrings too. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I love when people are like, where's that from? It's so cute. And I'm like,
1: Target. Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's like Target. Or like I said, something from maybe J. Crew that's been marked down again and again. So yeah, I'm all about finding fun fashion, but like with good prices.
0: <laughs> I have to say, I just got on Rent the Runway because I have a 40th birthday coming up and I'm like, oh. I wanna wear something like super fun. But I am telling you what, I I did I did it like three or four years ago and I quit for the same reason that I'm about to quit again. I spent so much time scrolling through, picking out. I'm like, I have spent two hours on this site. This is ridiculous. And then half the time, the sizes are unavailable. So, And then you have to return the items too, y- yes. don't you? Yes.
1: So Which is I like, re- yeah, that's yeah, you problem. can swap them out. But then you have to go physically mail them, don't you? Do you have to go um, to the post office and I mail them? I think you can... No, there's a pickup service at your house. Oh, good. Because I would be that person that yeah. would never get to the post office and mail them back. And I'd yeah, be stuck no. with the same outfits for a year.
0: <laughs> but people want, you want to mail them back because you can swap, at, depending on the level you do, you can swap out a certain number per month. So like mm-hmm. you want your new stuff. But I was just like, this is too time consuming. I was so excited yeah. about it, but it's like, no, nope, I can't, I can't do that. I've got too much going on. And I'm like, I can't spend two hours no picking out these outfits. <laughs> Um, So anyway, tell us a little bit about your work as an author. You know, Eileen was on the Illuminate podcast, which is another podcast in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network years ago uh, with Emma as the host. And so you guys got into a lot over there. Um, I on this podcast would love to focus on your work with writing books for preteens and teens.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so as you can see behind me, I guess your listeners can't. These are my book covers right here because this has been my Zoom virtual writing workshop place this whole time. Um, So I wrote a middle grade book series. It's called The Popularity Pact. And it's a two-book series, which is called a duology. We always hear about trilogies. I didn't even know a duology was a thing until I got the book deal. (laughs) I saw it printed. I'm like, oh, I guess that's what it's called. Um, And so (laughs) I, as a mom, I'm not sure if you've come into this yet because your kids are a little younger, um, but almost all of my mom friends, particularly friends who have more than one kid, have a kid who struggles to find their place in the world.
0: Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Right. And sometimes that kid fits in great on their travel soccer team and they have all the friends, but then they get to school and they have nobody to sit with at lunch or they fit in really well at school. But then in their after school activities, they just can't find their people and they're uncomfortable. And so I think it was kind of that just from talking to moms, it was kind of in my head. And then I came up with this idea, like, what if we have these two girls and one of them fits in really well at school, but doesn't fit in at camp.
0: Mm. And
1: the other friend fits in really well at camp and doesn't fit in at school. And that was sort of the jumping off point. Uh And because I think that happens so often. So the other thing that happens is a friend who drops you Mm -hmm. which, you know, I think a lot of kids have experienced or they're the one who drops the friend for whatever reason. Um, And so those were kind of percolating. So my book is about the first book is called Camp Click. um, And that is about two best friends, B and Maisie. And Maisie and B, they were they've been best friends since like preschool. And the kind of best friends, that they don't have a big friend group, it's always been just the two of them. And then all of a sudden in sixth grade, Maisie drops B and doesn't tell her why. And B goes through that heartbreak of losing a friend and not understanding. And to make matters worse, Maisie starts hanging out with the popular group. They're called the M&Ms because they all have names that start with M. And then B is left alone in the cafeteria with nobody to sit with because she goes to one of those schools where the kids find their friend groups and that you're set. That's it. How do you break into a new friend group? So B can't wait to go to summer camp where she has a bunk full of best friends waiting for her. And she does fit in. So she's all excited. And then guess who ends up at summer camp with her? Her best friend, Maisie. <laughs> and not only does she end up at camp, she ends up in her bunk. And just ruins her whole good vibe summer. And Maisie, who fit in great at school, has never been to sleepaway camp. It's Mm -hmm. a sporty adventure camp. And Maisie is not sporty. She's not adventurous. She gets anxious trying new things. And she does not fit in at this camp. Nobody likes her. And she can't handle those feelings of not fitting in. So she makes a deal with B and says... If you make me popular at camp, I'll make you popular when we go back to school. So the first book, the summer book, is about what happens when B helps Maisie fit in at camp. And then the second book is about what happens when it's Maisie's turn to help B fit in at school.
0: Yes. I was just thinking the other day, um, one of my oldest, he's 11, he like – I feel like he might be changing friends a little bit. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, nobody prepared us mothers for that. Yes. Cause it's normal. I mean, I haven't, mm-hmm. I don't know the statistics, but Michelle Icard, who's been a guest on this podcast, she wrote the book 14 talks before age 14 talks about this. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the, um, odds that your kid is going to like still be really close with the friend they make in middle school or sixth grade or whatever. That's like not high, that they're still going to be close. Mm -hmm. And so there's two things. One, as a mom, I'm like, oh, but I miss that little boy. Why isn't he coming around anymore? Yes. Yes! (laughs) And then two, how do we handle walking our kids through this heartbreak of Mm -hmm. losing friends or just moving on from friends? Like your interests are different. It just changes. Mm -hmm. And then I guess three, if you have the kid who might be leaving someone similar. out, which is as a parent, oh. almost equally as heartbreaking because it, it makes you so sad to think of your child hurting someone's feelings.
1: And I love that you brought up Marshall because when I first started talking to groups about my books, everybody thought this is a girl's book. This is yes. gender. The only girls deal with this. And then I started doing these writing camps for kids at libraries. And there were a lot of boys that some of the boys, their moms kind of pushed them into it Mm. because it was during COVID and they needed something to do. But then the boys would read it. And then all of a sudden they'd start talking about this. The boys experience this from what I've seen just as much as girls. And sometimes they're the one who did the leaving for a reason, a good reason, but they didn't know how to sort of do it in a nice way. Mm. And other times they were left behind. And so it is a big issue that affects all kids. And so, you know, I grew up reading Judy Bloom books. Mm -hmm. And the thing I loved about Judy Bloom is she tackled issues that not everybody talked about. You know, a lot of parents don't feel comfortable talking about, well, my friend, my, my son is struggling with their friends or they're finding new friends. It's sort of like it can be an uncomfortable topic. And so I wanted something that would be a a source of comfort, because in my book, you have one girl who did the leaving, Mm -hmm. and you have the other girl who was left behind, and we see both sides of it, and we get to understand that sometimes someone leaves you, and it's not about you. You didn't do anything wrong. It's about Mm -hmm. something going on with them, So, uh, and sometimes you leave someone, and you realize, wait a minute they were a good friend. I shouldn't have done that. Now I need to get them back. So I tried to tackle both because I think all kids go through both sides of this, right?
0: Oh, totally. And the other thing I was just thinking about as you were going through those scenarios is, I don't know that I've talked about this on this podcast, but like when your kid gets into a fight or something with another kid, that if you are close friends with the parent, oh, I've been through this. It's awful. Right? It can put so much stress on the relationship (sighs) with you and your friend. This happened to one of my closest friends here. Our kids got into like a physical altercation. Nobody knew who did what, when it started, who was the antagonizer. And we both felt like loyal to our own children. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, I think we were both like nobody's like – in the total right here. Right. Yes. Um, (laughs) I love that you
1: said no one's in the total wrong. It's just saying no one's in the total wrong. You said no one's in the total right. (laughs) Like
0: nobody, nobody (laughs) did like worked this through perfectly. Um, but then we also felt this like fierce loyalty to our own kids. And I, and I think I'm like, I think I'm really good at being like, my kids are no angels, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you want to believe your kid, especially as they get older too, right? Like when Mm -hmm. they can make those decisions, whereas when they're like four and they're hitting the neighbor kid, it's like, okay, this is like a little more age appropriate. Um, but yeah. And that stressed our relationship for a little bit. And then we went on a walk on her birthday and we were just like, we, like, we can't do this. Like we, like we can't let the way our kids are behaving affect our friendship because we're so close um,
1: and I I'm guess I'm so glad it did a- you
0: realized that. I think, that's yeah, great. and it, we, we knew it and we didn't like it. Um, and I guess you can't, t- it can't totally not affect the friendship, but like we kind of had to work through it and then also realize like we might not be in total agreeance on this. Mm-hmm. Like there might be certain things your kid does that I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, and same with you with my kids. And um, you got to kind of find that a common ground that we can agree to disagree on some things. I don't know. It, it's challenging. Yeah. It's I think. Really that, I,
1: I think one tip is to just remember. A lot of times, the kids don't tell either parent the whole story. Totally. And a lot of times, it's the kids are having complicated feelings, and that one argument or fight is not about what happened in the moment. It's about lots of little things, maybe that were brewing, and are you know, kids at a certain age don't have the maturity to talk things out. And so if you kind of keep that in your mind, it's easier to not get upset with the other kid as much, you know, and just sort of come at it like, you know what, they both must have had a lot of things going on. And as moms, let's keep our friendship and let's just acknowledge that neither one of us knows the whole story or the whole picture. Right.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. A while back, like one of the first, I, can't bring, I keep bringing up old episodes here, but I loved what Ralphie Jacobs has said on this podcast is that your par- your kids behavior and the choices they make, this sounds a little like it doesn't make sense, but it kind of does. It doesn't necessarily like define what kind of parent you are or define like your character, like your kids yes. are going to make choices no matter how you parent them or what you teach them that you are going to not agree with, not be happy about. Um, But that doesn't mean like you aren't doing a good job and and you aren't being a good parent. And so that's also one of those things like if someone's kid is making really bad choices that are affecting your kid's life, that doesn't mean that they don't have a good mom. (laughs) That doesn't mean they don't have a good dad. It just means that that kid is making some choices. And to separate yourself from that parent that maybe was your friend, might be a really bad choice.
1: Not only that, if you think about it, the mom whose child is making the quote-unquote wrong choices, that mom must really be struggling. Yes. And so upset and and working through this challenge of, my child is not meeting my expectations. How do I make that happen? They're their own person. I don't agree with their choices. And on top of it, whatever choices they're making are isolating them socially how must that feel as a mom, right? Yeah. And then your friends kind of separate from you a little bit. Instead, I think that mom is the one who might need the, hey, like you said, let's go for a walk, let's hang out. They might need a little mom time where they don't feel judged, right? They might need a friend even more than the mom whose kid is making all the right choices.
0: Hey friends, all right, we've got a new sponsor today that I am pumped to tell you about. It is Two Before. Two Before is a natural sports performance superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. What do blackcurrant berries do? Well, they contain unique levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins, which have been proven to boost athletic performance by increasing blood flow, making it more efficient for the body to pump oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood to the muscles. It also kickstarts your recovery, helps with muscle soreness and manages inflammation, and it strengthens your immunity. Immune-boosting antioxidants and natural occurring vitamin C are in these black currant berries. I gotta tell you, it also tastes refreshing and delicious. So you can drink it daily, 30 to 45 minutes before you work out you'll feel that effect of it around 60 minutes from taking it you just mix it up with around four to eight ounces of water or electrolyte drink whatever you're drinking i just mix mine with water and there you have it All right, so I am really excited for you to check it out and excited to hear how it works for you. You can save 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code LINDSAY, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. Just go to two, the number two, b4.com and use the code LINDSAY, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y and that'll get you 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping. All right, friends, back to the show. So the common theme in your book is friendship. And then what is your hope to teach these kids who are reading these books about friendship?
1: I love that you asked that because having the title be the popularity pact of the yeah. series makes it sound like I'm all about popularity. But actually, there there's a <laughs> common theme through both books. There's a lesson both girls need to learn, which is that true and authentic friendship is way more popular, way more important than being popular and fitting in. And that it's more important to have one real true friend than to have a group of friends who aren't really there for you. And so Maisie really needs to learn that in the first book. And she learns that lesson. And you know, doesn't care about being popular. And then she has to go back to school and hang out with these popular girls because that's all B cares about. So in the second book, B has not learned that lesson. And B makes a lot of wrong choices trying desperately to fit in. And so it's it's sort of um, a journey that each girl takes in each book. And it's this message that I think is so important. And it's something I really tried to drive home with my own daughter that, you need friends who are going to stick by you no matter what friends that you can talk to about things, friends that will never leave you behind um, and that you can be real with. Um, So that's the message of the books. I do also teach my daughter that I don't know if you feel this way, but I think we have different kinds of friends Mm -hmm.
0: who we can lean
1: on for different kinds of needs. Yes. And that's okay too. You don't need every single friend to be that ride or die friend. It's okay if you do have other friends that um, are fun to hang out with. They're great for a night out, Um, but you know, maybe I'm not gonna open up and tell them all my secrets, but they're fun to hang out with. I like having them in my life and those friends are okay too, but maybe to sort of recognize it and make sure you have enough of the ride or die, true strong friends for when you really need someone to lean on.
0: Yes. You know, I didn't even envision the conversation being so strong on friendship, but I mean, that's so true into adulthood too. Like, yes, you you can't possibly expect every friend to fill every bucket. Yes, And you can't be that for everybody either. And so I think we also can put pressure on ourselves to be that friend. Like I want, I need to be there for this, 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 and this. And that's just simply not, like, attainable.
1: Exactly. So I think that's okay, too, um, to sort of talk to our kids that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But my main message with my books is, first of all, if you're someone who's struggling to find your place in the world, keep looking. Mm -hmm. You only need that one person who sees you for who you are. And in doing so, in the search for that, you have to be yourself. In the second book, B is trying so hard to fit into middle school that she changes her appearance, changes how she dresses, changes how she does her hair, changes the behavior that is natural to her to get these other girls to like her. And if you're changing who you are like that, they're not going to be your real friends in the end. Mm. So that's another thing that I think is so important. And so my hope is... In reading that maybe if you have a kid who's struggling with these things and they don't feel comfortable talking about it with you, if they read the book and start to make connections, then maybe it can help them sort of sort through these complicated feelings from all of that at this age.
0: You know, it's interesting you brought up earlier that I brought up my son and you said like people oftentimes see this book cover and they think, oh, this is just for girls. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, I wonder if little boys would be like, I'm not reading that. It's a girl book. Um, I wonder if there is a equivalent with male characters.
1: I wonder, you know what? It's so funny. Someone was just talking to me about this. I was at a book launch party for a friend and, One of my writing friends said, you know, my grandsons could use a story like this. Mm. And you know what's so funny? I think, and I couldn't think of one offhand, but you remind me of like a a, a boy mom who understands boys. You understand, like, it's so clear from your Instagram stories. You really get what they need. And who they are as people and how their brains work. You get it. It's like so abundantly clear to me. And I think because maybe just because I had a daughter, I relate to boys, but I don't know if I could put myself in the mindset to mm-hmm. write that story for boys right. and get right. it right. It would not be, you know, I know I, I would definitely not get something right. So, anyway, I hope there is a book like that um, because I do think it's important. Um, for boys just as much as girls to understand that these things happen. And even as adults, do you ever find, you know, sometimes as adults a friend moves on oh, or yeah. you move on from a friendship. And and it's just, it's a part of life. And poor, I feel bad for kids because they don't always have the maturity to walk through that season of their life.
0: Oh, for sure. I know. And one of the big things too is I feel like society has taught boys Our culture has taught boys to like just shake things off a little bit more and like you know Mm -hmm. this is something that's changing right now and it's it's being talked about a lot more is that it's good to talk about your emotions and you know there's that book raising emotionally strong boys Mm -hmm. and my husband was like upset about something the other day and cried a little bit and I was like that's so I'm so glad he's like doing that in front of our kids because it's important for them to think like oh that's okay and that's actually normal And Mm -hmm. like, that's good to process your feelings in that way. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be really good because it's like, you hear about the girl drama at at school and, you know, that's always what I've heard raising boys. I've always heard people be like, Oh my gosh, you have four little boys, blah, blah, blah. And then the conversation shifts to, Oh, I'm dealing with like my hormonal teenage girl. Uh, but the thing is, is like, Boys actually go through this like hormonal change too, and mm-hmm. it maybe just doesn't feel as culturally culturally as accepted to be upset about friendship stuff with the boys or boys
1: like- are boys don't talk about their feelings as much. Sometimes like, I don't want to generalize, but yeah. I feel like um, sometimes girls might be more likely to come home and just sort of spew yes. it all out, and some boys might tend to hold it back. You know, I I wasn't really aware of it until I started doing these writing programs for kids. And I was a little nervous, Lindsay, because um, I I started this virtual writing program, like right when the shutdown happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, wow, I have a lot of little boys in in Mm. these groups. And what if They're not interested in talking about friendship because my whole writing workshop model was to get the kids to write friendship stories. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I I taught them is a good story has to be a page turner. Mm -hmm. You have to have conflict and drama to make your reader want to keep turning the pages. So if you have a story about two friends where everything's going perfect, nobody's going to want to keep reading, right? Right. But if you have a story about two friends where something goes wrong, that's where your conflict is. So in teaching about writing fiction, that was my model. And then I, the first day I was like asking the kids for suggestions. And I can't tell you how many boys had ideas because I said, let's pick two best friends. That's that's We're going to write about two best friends. Let's brainstorm. What are the kinds of problems two best friends could have? And the things that the boys came up with were, Two boys try out for a travel soccer mm. team. One of them makes it; the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's a realistic situation. It also applies to girls. It, I'm right. just saying it was something that they came up with. Um, a fr- that there are a lot of non-gendered, you know, issues. A friend moves away, or I'm the friend who moved away. A big one for boys and girls is you have two best friends. And all of a sudden, one of them gets another new mm. best friend yep. and you have that threesome where there's always the odd man out. And so I was really blown away by how involved the boys were with the discussion about how a friendship can break down. And there were boys who shared their feelings like there were boys who would say this happened to me and it was so hard to make a new friend. And I was so sad. And so just as many boys as girls go through this. So I think it's good to be aware of it. And if you do find another friendship story, let them read it so they can kind of walk through it a little bit.
0: It's sort of sounds like a little bit of therapy in a way. Mm-hmm. Cause they're not going to necessarily feel so comfortable doing this with their parents. And if, right. so, if it's a project and they're, you know, They're walking through it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily make-believe, but it's not like just processing your feelings like you walk in the door and something happened with your friends. It's like giving you an exercise to process that.
1: Which is what writers do. There's always some personal experience or emotion of our own that ends up in the pages of the book, even if the characters don't look like us or talk like us or are different ages than us. There's always a piece of an author in a story that comes from their own emotional um, journey. So it's good when I work with kids to kind of get them to do to do that. And because we talk about friendship, it's such a hot Topic. It really is. So now maybe like at home, if you notice that a friend isn't coming over, I don't think it's it's good to have the big, dramatic conversation. At least, okay, with my own kid, I've learned my daughter's the kind of person that I can bring something up mm. and she might say one or two things and when she's done talking about it, I respect that and let it go. Uh-huh. At- and then maybe two days later, she might bring it up again. And we might make a little more movement. Now she's older, so it's different. But when she was a kid, that was her vibe. So recognize your kid. You might have a kid that you bring it up and then they start crying and they tell you their whole life story. That's the kind of person I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you might have that experience. But if you have a kid more like my daughter where you know it takes a couple of steps, recognize that. And maybe talk it through and you might find out the real reason why that friend's not coming over anymore. And you might be able to dig a little deeper into the emotions and help your child process it.
0: Yeah, gosh, it's so, so tough. But I mean, that is the central focus of most, I don't know, there's probably studies I can't throw out a fact, but like, what was the central focus of your life when you were in middle school and high school? To me, it was like, my friends were my world.
1: Yes. Yes. And what happens when your world crashes for whatever reason?
0: How does that feel? Oh, I mean, I don't even think I would have even gone to school if my friends weren't there. Like that's literally why I went to school was because my Mm -hmm. friends were there. I would have figured out a way to not go.
1: (laughs) And you know, what's different when you and I were kids, we didn't have Instagram. Yeah. So what the difference is, if your friends started to hang out a little bit without you, you might not know nowadays, if your friends all go to the movies and you weren't invited, not only do you find out about it, you see pictures, you see Mm -hmm. evidence of them all hanging out without you. And what that must do to the psyche of these kids is I I just can't even imagine how badly that must hurt them. And so there's a whole other level.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that happens as adults too. You see yes. a picture of like neighbors or friends hanging out and you're like, well, why didn't I get invited to that? Yes. And like as adults, we could process it and be like, ah, eh, other things going on, whatever. But like as a kid, if your world is your friends, that's devastating.
1: And embarrassing. Mm-hmm. There's shame, even though you shouldn't feel shameful. You know, there are all these emotions that then might stop them from talking to their their grown up about it. So because they're embarrassed Mm -hmm. and then like we talked about with the adults not talking to each other then it gets complicated with the adults because Mm -hmm. you have one adult who's like why is my kid not included anymore and they're really mad about it and then you might have another adult who knows why your kid's not included but doesn't want to hurt your feelings and tell you. And then they might pull apart. And so it has this trickle up effect because mm-hmm. it, it affects the adults who are involved as well.
0: Gosh, which is hard because I just think of like neighbors living in community and proximity. And yeah, that's so challenging. It really is. Tell us about like if we want our kids to, if we want to encourage our kids to explore writing more, like what, where is a good place to start?
1: OK, so that's such a good question. One place is you could see if there are any writing clubs or programs at your local library or after school program at your school. Um, if any of your listeners are Girl Scout troop leaders, um, I do a program where I do a storytelling badge with Girl Scout troops. Nice. And I do them locally in person if it's drivable. I live in New York, like uh, 30 minutes outside of Manhattan. So if it's in the tri, in my tri-state area, I do them in person. If not, I've been doing Zoom Girl Scout writing badge sessions with Girl Scouts all across the country. I'm a program partner in the Northwest Great Lakes and I have girls from like Wisconsin doing writing badges. So if you are a Girl Scout troop leader or you have a Girl Scout in your family, um, I guess my website will be in the show notes and you can check out. um, Because that um, I found has been a great way for someone who thinks they might wanna be a writer to dive in and have FaceTime with a real writer and also working on some writing elements. Um, So that's one thing. So not just my programs, but like Google and see what kind of writing programs there are for kids, because especially if it's with an author, you know, one of the things that I experienced as a kid was I loved Mary Higgins Clark books Mm -hmm. and she came to my school and spoke at this assembly and it, I mean, all these years later, I still think about it. And she talked about what it's like to be a writer and how do you become a writer? And it just stuck with me. So if your local bookstore has an author come, bring your kid mm. and let them meet an author. Especially that is a good if, idea. It's the best, right? Yeah. Because it just sort of um exposes them and you know it's funny because I I I also do I work with schools and I do I work with libraries and so obviously I was doing everything on zoom when the pandemic started and now here we are and things are in person so I assumed the Northwest Great Lakes Girl Scouts I assumed that nobody would sign up for my Zoom like Uh troop sessions. I was like, everyone's burned out on Zoom. I'm happy to offer them, but I really didn't think girls would sign up because they were probably like, enough, enough being online,
0: enough with the Zoom,
1: right? But no, my sessions fill up, and I work with all. I work with daisies, brownies, Mm. Girl Scouts cadets and seniors so i work with the little ones that are like in kindergarten all the way up to high school girls and the high school girls work on mini novels and screenplays wow
0: that's so cool it's
1: amazing and so it just shows there are kids who are really interested so if you have a kid who's really interested in writing see what's going on at your bookstore see if there are any author visits um if you're interested in me doing something with your library or your girl scout troop Check out my website. You can reach out with me, you know, through there or on Instagram. Um, But the idea is get your kid writing, get them involved, get them to meet an author
0: if they can. And, um,
1: oh, and also get them lots of books.
0: Okay. So this is my problem. I cannot get my kids to want to read books for the life of me.
1: Okay. Do you want to know something? See, I have a kid back here going, uh -uh. uh-uh. Do you know what's (laughs) ironic? I'm a writer. Yes. Obviously, I've always exposed my daughter Molly to writing and to books. She does not like to read books. And my mother-in-law was horrified by this. Like, Molly just doesn't like to read books. I I loved the Harry Potter series. Do you think my kid wanted to read any of them with me? No.
0: Which is probably devastating for you. You're like, we can't do this together.
1: Yes, but that's the funny thing. I would pick one book a summer we would read together. I would read with her like, Uh are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. We'd have our special book. But, you know, my husband doesn't like to read either. My husband doesn't either. And he's a really successful person, just like your husband. And so wanting to read fiction is not a marker for how smart somebody is. So, my husband is a veterinarian and he works at a teaching hospital and he trains interns and residents and um he will read for information. Yes. Just like your husband probably does. And my uh-huh. daughter's the same way. And I told my mother-in-law way back when it's okay. She doesn't have to like to read fiction. And here we are, my daughter's 21. She is an international business management major with an econ minor. This kid came home from her internship. She she did an internship at the Yankees. And there was this wealth management guy that spoke to all the business interns. She came home and taught me how to set up a Fidelity investment account. (laughs) You know, so so just remember that if you get frustrated, she doesn't like to read books, but she knows more about investments than I
0: do. So. That's so cool. Yeah, and that's that's like a comforting thing to hear because I think sometimes we like in all things without even thinking about it might compare what our kid is doing to like Joey down the street who's yes. like reading the entire Harry Potter series by himself <laughs> at eight years old. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like I always tell my kids so I'm like if you get into a book and a story that you're like is it, are, you're excited about – It can feel the same as like a TV show that you're excited about because you get into that story, that conflict Mm -hmm. that you talked about earlier. Like if the author knows how to make it a page turner, but we just can't get there. And I I don't know if part of it is like reading is still kind of hard for them Mm -hmm. to process the words and like actually get into the story because they're processing the words so much still that they can't even focus on like what's actually happening in the story, you know? You
1: know what? I love that you brought that up because when I wrote my books, even though they're for middle grade readers, I intentionally made the reading part of it simple. Yeah, They are not hard words to decode or to understand because the story is what's complex. I didn't uh-huh. want my readers using all of their brain power to read the actual sentences I wanted them to use the brain power for the emotional intelligence piece of it. So, um, maybe just kind of keep an eye out for books like that. They don't have to have difficult words in them, they just have to have a really deep plot or exciting plots. Um, and that might help. But, you know, like I said, my daughter turned out just fine. And I let it go that she wasn't into reading. And so it's okay. It's okay. And maybe that little boy down the street is going to be a writer one day. That was me. I was reading Jane Austen in like fourth grade, I think. (laughs) And I'm a writing teacher and I'm a writer. You know, my husband, sometimes I'll bring up books. He only remembers one book from a kid, um, Lord of the Flies, which Uh he read in school. He does not remember reading anything for pleasure, that's it. He and he turned out just great too. So, so good okay. to hear.
0: I, you know, last week's episode of this podcast, we talked about um, like feeding your kids and like oh, how I hard listened it is. To that. I loved yeah, that. Yes. And this is reminding me of what she said, where she's like, "Fruit is really good. Like, it's okay if your kids aren't eating all the vegetables. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, give yourself some grace. Like." Maybe your kid isn't a reader. Maybe your kid doesn't like broccoli, whatever. It's not the end of the world. You know why? Because I think it kind of relates to
1: how I I parent. Um, Like it clicks for me because I believe that parenting is not just about the role of a parent. It's about your relationship forever with this person. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: And in order to have a strong connection to them, you have to recognize who they are as a person. And if I didn't recognize that my kid was not into reading, but was an amazing gymnast and spent her summers at gymnastics camp and then later other sports, and that was more her thing, you know, maybe I wouldn't be so connected to her now. If I was trying to force things I love onto her, Mm. then it shows I don't understand who she is as a person. And to me, the most important part of being a mom is – connecting with your kid, meeting them where they're at and doing things with them that they enjoy doing so that they want to spend time with you. So, um, you know, that's part of it. Obviously, they need to learn how to read for school. Yeah. Right. But forcing them to read books on their own might not be the way to do it. It might be maybe if they like the computer more, maybe they should do some You know programs on the computer uh, you know uh, things that that connect more with what they're interested in and maybe that works
0: all right friends i want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon i have training plans on my website at lindseyhine.com. the half marathon plans are 14 weeks there's a beginner beginner so as a beginner as you can get There's a beginner, intermediate, there's an intermediate, and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles and I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, Oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer down from 146 to 139 mar- half marathon. All right? You heard it from Bridget. Go to lindseyhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right, back to the show. Let me just ask you this. Did you make her do like 20 minutes of reading a day in the summers? <laughs> Cuz that's no. what I I have this like everybody has to read for 15 minutes a day. And I think I've enforced it like twice this whole no, summer. No, I didn't. I made her do
1: whatever she had to do for school. So if she had to read a book for school, I would check in and be like, make sure you're reading that book. Um, the only summer reading we would do is th- there were some summers where, like I said, I would choose a book.
0: Mm, and together.
1: and you know what's so amazing? The book that I chose, what, like I said, one of the books was, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And that and Margaret is sort of struggling to figure out where religion fits in her life. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up going to church. My mom's Catholic. My dad's Jewish. So I had this Jewish last name going to the Catholic church. And uh, and it was during a time when people didn't talk about blending cultures mm-hmm. at all and I, you know, and it, I always felt like it was like a struggle to fit in there. And like, I didn't belong. And when I was in second grade, I got chosen to do the um, communion reading. And I overheard the priest telling the CCD pic- teacher, you can't let the Moskowitz girl do the communion reading. I did it anyway, but it was a thing. It was like a definite thing.
0: Did this person say, no, she's doing it?
1: I don't remember that part. I, you know, I was a kid, I, and it was my sister and I both were chosen. So it was the Moskowitz girls. This was horrific to the priest that the two readings would be... It, it yeah. was just, like I said, I love to read. I was able to read the words really well. <laughs> so I was right. But, I, you know, so anyway, I had some complicated thoughts about religion. And then we have our daughter, and we chose not to baptize her and to sort of figure it out, my husband and I. And after I read that book, Molly said... Hey, I want to check out the Reformed Church in town. Can we go? And I said, okay. We went to the church. She ended up choosing to get baptized there. She went on church mission trips. She was part of the, the youth group. So just choosing that one book for our story to read together had this snowball effect. So if I made her read 20 books, uh, 20 minutes every day, random books, it wouldn't have been as meaningful as if I just chose a story to read together and talk about. So anyway, I didn't do the 20
0: minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when your story about the church made me think of this book I'm reading and the guy saying he was a part of this um, leadership at this church and somebody was saying this person couldn't come back because of something that was happening with their marriage. And the guy that's the author of the book is like, all right, like they said, unless he comes in through the back door and, (laughs) <laughs> um, the, the, the author of the book says, I guess I'm holding the d- back door open for him then. Like, wow. I just, I think it's really important to recognize those people who stand up to the people who are saying things like that. Like whoever that priest was, somebody must've stood up to him and said, yes, they are reading. I you love know that. I it was mean? probably
1: the CCD teacher. And you yeah, know, I probably didn't recognize it because. I was so shocked. Yeah, you know, I'd never heard a, a grown-up speak in a negative way about someone, and it was me. And, um, oh, and what an! The ironic feeling. thing is, my Jewish grandfather came to communion and was sitting in one of those pews with everybody else, and he was so proud of me and oh. he was really proud of my sister for doing the reading. So, but you know, not to speak in a negative way about church. It was just, it was complicated back then because we didn't have the awareness that we have today about what happens when you mix cultures. And so with my daughter, she sort of came to it herself and the church experience was so positive for her. And it all went back to that story that we read together. And so even though she didn't read every day, she was impacted in a positive way by this book.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay. Okay. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Okay, I am going... So my current books are middle grade. I have another middle grade book that I'm currently revising. My next story is Young Adults, which is new for me. And not only is it young adults, it is dystopian. It's dark. Mm. It takes place 40 years in the future. It is so wildly different than anything I've written before, but I came up with this idea and I'm so excited to write it. But um, it's challenging me to be darker than I am naturally. Yeah,
0: you're (laughs) a very like bright and peppy person. Yeah, I'm writing this book that's really dark. (laughs) How are you prepping for that? Like what kind of music are you listening to?
1: Oh, I didn't even think I should be listening to some dark music.
0: But you know what made me think,
1: think, I guess it could work is that I was listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast Uh maybe like a year ago and she was talking about how um, because she's such a dark person, she can't handle dark shows and then Abby's a lighter person so she can handle the darkness. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe because I am a light, happy person, maybe I can go there with my writing. Um, We'll see. (laughs) That kind of makes sense for sure. Yeah, like so she, I'm going to yeah. try that. Right.
0: It, it makes sense that like you, know, you understand yourself enough to know, like, I'm already dark. I can't do more dark.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Whereas I'm not
1: dark. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's a true experience of writing fiction to go there. So I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, so that's my next big project.
0: When when are those expected to come out?
1: I don't know. That's the scary thing about being a writer. You would think once you sell a book, that's it. You just keep selling books. But, um, I I had a two book contract. So now the next book that I'm revising and the next one I write, um, I have to hope and pray, uh, you know, my agent submits and then I just have to hope that there's an editor who connects with the work. So, so far, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay. For sure. Um, okay. Do you have a best, most recent book that you've read that you recommend?
1: Yes, I just read, I wrote it down. Um, it's by Frederick Bachman. Oh. He wrote the Bear Town Trilogy. Uh-huh. Okay, don't be scared away because it's 670 pages Ooh. long. But I am not a sporty person. Uh, I've seen one ice hockey game in my life back in high school when my friend was dating a player. This is a 670-page book based on a ta- two towns, who are obsessed with ice hockey, and it kept my attention. So um, it's about so much more. It's about small town politics. Uh, It's about families. It's about relationships. And um, there's something to be said for a long book like that. So when you go to bed at night, and you pick up and read a couple of chapters and that story stays with you and the characters stay with you and it's a process. So it's been about a month because I only read a few chapters at night and I enjoyed it. And the chapters are short. So you could be waiting to pick up your kid from camp, read a chapter and then later on, read another chapter and stay connected. So I highly recommend it. I did not read the first two books in the trilogy. I watched the Bear Town. There's a series. I think Mm -hmm. it might be on HBO or Showtime. Watched the series, never read the second book and was able to pick up the third book. And I loved it.
0: So Wait, so I'm this book out. is the third book of the Beartown series? Yes. OK, got it. Um, so isn't he the same author of like A Man Called Otto and Anxious yes. People? Yes. See, I didn't like Anxious People. I didn't finish Anxious People. I listened to
1: the audio book and I only got partway through. A Man Called Otto, I read in the original version, which was a man called, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, Obey, oh
0: Ava, o- o- yeah. That's, I um, read that one too. I loved that. I like that too. Um,
1: yeah. And so, anyway, I la- you know why I liked this book? It reminded me of John Irving. John okay. Irving is my all time favorite author. He has these big, giant books but he really digs in and his writing is so powerful I think that's why I liked it because I like that kind of a meaty story so and it's different than anxious people so like the writing like is different yeah, the vibe yeah it's it's quite different the vibe See, in the writing is. I
0: think what I found and I found this with Emily Henry books too I don't like books where it's like arguing like and the characters are, like, arguing with each other a lot because I'm like, it just feels, like, forced or something. And I think with Anxious People, there was this couple that kept arguing, and I was like, this is annoying. And
1: Yeah, um, I don't like that either. This is more people, instead of arguing, they're making choices uh-huh. behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Instead of arguing with the person, then their action kind of speaks for how they feel about yes. a situation. So yeah. it's a little more subtle.
0: So for kids' book, we're going to recommend – Camp Click, what are we, re- yes. or, or the, the, what's it called? Popularity squad.
1: So I would recommend Camp Click and school squad. Cause your kid can read Camp Click for their summer
0: read. Okay. And then just as they're going back to school, they can read school squad. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Um, do you have a trip that you've taken with your husband and your daughter that you recommend?
1: Yes. You're going to laugh. We have a tradition that does not involve me. That's actually my favorite family tradition. Love it. (laughs) So back when my daughter was in second grade and she was so busy, there was always like gymnastics camp or sports practice. Like we were getting to the point where it was like hard to find the time. And my husband always has worked long hours out of the house. And one of them came up with the idea to go to Great Adventure, which is in Pennsylvania. It's like a theme park. You go and you ride all the rides. There's a safari and I think there's a water park. They did this day trip. So they had the whole car ride to catch up, talk to each other, connect. And then they did all these rides and running around the park and eating all the junk food and came back. And it was one of those things that at the time, they didn't know it would be a tradition. But the Aww. next summer, Molly said, Dad, when's our great adventure trip? And here we are. She is 21. And on Sunday, they are doing their annual I great adventure that. trip. So, so it's just a, a reminder To have a family tradition, you don't have to have everyone in the family participate. That's right. right? right. I mean, I couldn't keep up with them. They're very like physically active, brave to go on all the rides, people. And I'm like, you do you. You guys go do that. And they love it. And it's so great because he works more out of the house than I do. So they have their time to connect. That's so important. So it's just, hey, just know you can have a tradition and Two people could do it. Three out of six people could do it, whatever, and it's awesome. That's so good. I love that. And what do you get to do? Usually, I stay home and write. Yeah. Now I I'm an empty nester, so I don't need the time. But back then, I was working like two part time jobs, teaching writing on the side, and so it would be a day for me to have the yeah. apartment to myself and to write. Nice. And now I can still fill the time. I'll still be writing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What is your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Okay. Everyone says you can't be best friends with your kid. Mm. And I disagree. I think don't be scared to be your kid's friend. And what that means is, okay, if I have a friend who's not into writing, they're not into like, you know, the stuff I'm into, I would never drag them to a literary salon where people are reading poems And writing, you know, experimental stories. I would never drag one of my friends who's not into that to an event like that. But with our kids, so often we drag them to stuff that we think they have to do. But if you treat them like a friend and you're like, you know what? My kid doesn't really like museums, but here we are in this place. How else can we explore? Oh, well, they like to hike. Let's do that instead. Like, Just treat them like you would a friend because... You want them as they get older to want to spend time with you. You don't want them to visit when they're older out of obligation. Mm. And so just think about that because those moments of friendship where you're spending time with them and connecting with them all add up so that the moments that when they're really struggling, they are connected to you and they feel comfortable coming to you if they're in crisis. So it's sort of a full circle thing.
0: And I think people are scared to say that because they want their kids to respect them or whatever word you want to use. And they're like, I'm Mm -hmm. not your friend. I'm your parent. And it's like, but you know what?
1: Exactly. I have never once had to say to Molly, you should respect me. Yet I know she respects me. I know she does. I never have to ask her if she does. I never have to yell at her to do it. I never have to have these strict rules to do it. We have connected as people and our bond is so close that there's a mutual respect mm-hmm. that I never have to ask for. So that's my big message because nobody ever wants to say that.
0: <laughs> I know. And and I get sad thinking of kids visiting out of obligation.
1: No, I mean, we just went to the Barbie movie with my husband, Molly, her amazing girlfriend, Dev, and they wanted to go with us. I didn't have to beg them to hang out with us. We went together. So that's what you want. You want kids that are like, I want to see the Barbie movie. Let's all go. Let's all dress up. And I was like, oh, if you want me to dress up, I w- I'm i there. So you want those moments when they're older where they genuinely want to spend time with you. and you get there by treating them in some of the ways you might treat a friend with that same respect for who they are as a person and what are they truly interested in doing and try to meet them there.
0: I love that. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you so much, Lindsay. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Eileen, for coming on the podcast. Y'all can find Eileen on Instagram. She's Eileen Moskowitz Palma over there. That is also her website, EileenMoskowitzPalma.com. You can find me, I'm Lindsay LindsayHein626 on Instagram. And learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at SandyBoyProductions.com. The show notes and the links to everything we talked about with Eileen will be over there as well. You can actually sign up for our newsletter there and those show notes can be delivered to your inbox every week, which makes it simple so that you can just catch all the information you need right in one place. Links to all the sponsor discount codes will be there too. Again, go to sandyboyproductions.com and just click on the Why Is Everyone Yelling tab. All right, friends, thanks for being here and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?